0: there are three three authors and ideas that came to mind after i listened to our recent episode that i felt i wanted to explore and see what the the connection between these could could mean one of these authors is someone i've mentioned last time richard boyatzis who is the author of the intentional change theory yes There's um, a second person that came to mind, Carol Dweck, whose work on the the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset has has gained some prominence, rightfully. And there's actually a third author. He's also a professor at IMD, George Paul whose work around secure base leadership is interesting, I find. The... The main idea of secure base leadership is in just two sentences shut down the brain's tendency to look for danger and keep amygdala stimulation to a safe minimum so that's very much the idea of what happens to me when there is an impact from outside yes the the second role he says of this secure base idea is to inspire, helping people change their emotions and move to a positive mindset, which will help people focus on what they really wanted to achieve.
1: So is, is he saying that in the first place, you have to create the secure base, and from there, with that base in place, you can then move on to the second part, yes. which is... I see.
0: Yes, and and the interesting thing is that these three look at this topic from different angles. Richard Bayard says essentially is a psychologist, so he wants to understand how how people function.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And George Coleriza, before becoming a professor, was a hostage negotiator. So he made all these observations and built his body of experience that informs his secure base work at the hostage negotiation table. So in in major crisis moments
1: wow.
0: which aren't characterized by... I have an open space in front of me. I have all the options that I can pick and choose from. It's like the, the, the kid in the candy store and you have all these possibilities. No, he comes from a very different perspective.
1: So how does that, when you think about what we've been talking about, work in progress and people hitting major change points in their lives, but as you say, in a potentially less dramatic way, What is it about his work that excites you in connection with work in progress? What does it offer?
0: I think there are are two things. One is that even in very difficult situations, even in major crises, even under threat, we can create options. And there is more than one way of dealing with the situation. There's more than one cause of action, which requires a lot of preparation. It probably requires a lot of training. I wouldn't expect that people would be uh, signing up to be the hostage negotiation table as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are very, very demanding and, and, and difficult situations. And I would imagine there aren't many who would say, oh, let me have a go at this because I'd let, see whether I can do this. I wouldn't expect that to happen. But we all know that usually from crises, if the crisis doesn't break us, we will emerge from it having learned something, having grown. So it's like children that go through a major illness, the usual, you know, illnesses that children have. And every one of these has the potential for being a moment of growth. Mm. So what excites me about it is that even in those very dark moments, and difficult moments there is a possibility of seeing options there is a possibility of seeing potential there is an assumption that if we emerge from this we will have learned something we will have developed something we will have grown
1: And what are some of the tools for anyone listening to this thinking, yes, that sounds fantastic. I want to be able to do that (laughs) in moments of crisis. I want to be able to create the space for options. What are some of the tools that he suggests we use?
0: Well, for a complete answer, probably I'd suggest that um, people read the book that he's written about that because I, I didn't learn it by heart. But what I do know is one of the key things that happen is that There is a set of needs of one person that clashes dramatically with the set of needs of other persons. And it seems like these two sets of needs are worlds apart. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is needed is to cut through the emotions Of that situation to start seeing the needs that people have. What are the needs of the person that has created a difficult situation? What are the needs of the person that wants to resolve that situation? What are the needs of the various parties involved? And and what do they look like, you know, beneath the emotions that are are visible?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And... I would imagine in those difficult situations, you need a lot of self-confidence that you can deal with a situation that's, that's at hand. And despite all the difficulty, I would imagine it's important to see the other person comes to that situation with a set of needs that probably haven't been recognized at any point in time. So maybe what this person is looking for, even though they've chosen a way that isn't you know, okay by our conventions, it may be a way to express needs. So one of the things that's really important and it may be completely counterintuitive is empathy. We mm-hmm. could go back to 1968, Beggar's Banquet, Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. Almost like that idea, even the devil is a human being. <laughs> and if the devil is a human being, the devil has needs. And even though we might not sympathize with those needs, let's recognize that he's got some needs. And is there a way that we can we can meet those needs and give that person the attention that they're looking to, to obtain and haven't obtained? So the The ability to to cut through through these emotions and show empathy.
1: We've talked in the past about when one is making a big life change, mm-hmm. the problems that can come up in relationships, whether that's with colleagues, whether that's with family, which seems directly related to what you just said about the sort of hostage situation when one peop, one set of people has a set of expectations and the other one has an, another set of, of needs. And, and so it sounds to me like you're suggesting that empathy is a, yet another tool that we can use at these moments in our lives to negotiate with in terms of how how we negotiate with the other people in our lives at this moment as we choose to move forward. If we're wanting to suddenly give up our day job and go and buy a vineyard or, Mm -hmm. you know, and family don't think that's a very good idea, we're going to have to bring this piece into play to understand Mm -hmm. what their needs are before we can probably move forward with...
0: Right, right. So it's really gaining clarity of the needs of everybody involved, and and how do you build a almost a, a Venn diagram of these needs and see where's the overlap oh, yeah. in this? And how can we increase, what can we do to increase overlap? Now, the, the funny thing is, my, my experience in the in in the corporate world is and we spoke about a restructure. Once people accept the need for the restructure. The willingness to change goes up significantly. Mm. Once people realize that we can't just carry on because this company will not survive if we carry on, we have to change the way we do things. And maybe we have to stop doing certain things and start doing other things. Once people realize that change is relatively easy, Mm. And therefore, the path to growth is usually wide open, if if done properly, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot easier than bringing change to an organization that is successful. That really, to me, was the initial impulse to say, let's look at the world like George Coleriza looks at it. And Carol Dweck looks at it and Richard Boyatzis looks at it and say, what do we learn from that? Because in this concept of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, there is no connection, no immediate connection to, you have to be in a crisis in order to, to make changes and and grow. The concept of intentional change theory is, is, is more neutral as well. It, It doesn't require a crisis to start making some, some changes. Mm-hmm. what it does require is the idea of where would i like to go how is what i would like to achieve positively emotionally attractive yeah. that's something that that does play a role and
1: can you describe that in words that i can feel and understand this sort of how do I make this positively?
0: Um, what,
1: I mean, can you give me an example maybe?
0: Yeah, it's, it's the... Some people call it the, the ideal self. Um, wh- where do I see myself in five years from now? Mm-hmm. So what, where would I like to be? What would I like to do? Who would I like to be with? How will... I have an impact on my community, on my environment. Those are questions that are are part of that, you know, building that attractive future image. So it can be, if your idea is in five years from now, I want to live somewhere in the Mediterranean on a vineyard and I will make wine. And maybe have some olive trees and... um, Certainly, the sun is going to shine a lot. So people can start imagining this. So tell me about the view that you have from the house that you live in. Okay. And tell me about what the landscape looks like. And tell me about the village you're going to live in. And what are you looking for in terms of relationships and you know everything else that might be important to someone? What does it look like tell me about it what what are what are the sense you wake up to in the morning and then people can start almost like drawing that that image that they can start picturing what this can look like
1: so the use of the imagination actually having a hugely positive force in physical concrete terms yes in theater we have a saying what if the great Stanislavski, who was the first sort of theatre pedagogue, would get actors to say, What if before every sort of setup for a scene? So, what if a bear was outside the window? What if this? What if that? Because of the power it has to directly influence the subconscious of mm-hmm. the actor. Now, for those purposes, it was just for the purposes of being in, on a stage and acting out a scene. But nonetheless, the principle still applies for us as human beings. If we're using that imagination mm. in in the same way as you're as you're describing, I don't see why it should have a different effect on us in our real lives.
0: No, I mean it's it's probably it's probably the same. So it's a uh, an image, and the image will be different for different people. That's that's fine. But but it usually really starts with an with an image. As we all say, the picture says more than a thousand words. And there's there something, actually something I, I found, a colleague actually used that. There's this little story of the, the caterpillar asking, how does one become a butterfly? <laughs> and the answer is, you must want to fly so much that you're willing to give up being a caterpillar.
1: Mm. You spoke in our first conversation about how what and how one lets go of things so I was interested in exploring that a bit more It's directly connected to what you've just said Hmm. to move forward to being the butterfly one has to let go of being the caterpillar what what are your thoughts around in times in your life when you have moved forward and gone into being becoming a butterfly you've come out the chrysalis what and how have you let go of things because that's something that some people can't get past Mm. so they don't move forward
0: if i only knew i know that when when i was really attracted by an image i would almost be drawn into that image and didn't really pay attention to what's that that present that I'm going to to shift or, or change or, or leave behind. And I suppose the the, the biggest, the biggest single question that came up in, in this context was, what will it look like to give up a paycheck? Mm-hmm. That really was the, the only, the only thing I saw that would merit a sort of good thinking and a good conversation what would it look like in the future when there's no paycheck anymore Mm -hmm. but the bills will keep coming in Mm -hmm. and the overall financial situation in terms of financial needs will not change dramatically may change a bit but it will not change dramatically Mm -hmm. so where where will this money come from if not from paycheck and everything else, in terms of what is it that I'm going to do, who do I want to work with, who are the clients, I never worried about that.
1: Is that because your positive image that you had created of what you were going towards there, was shining more brightly, if you like, and yes. was more exciting than the fear of what you were leaving?
0: Yes. Yes. I had this image. I, I also had time to develop it while still on a paycheck. Yeah. So the moment in time that really was that, probably that epiphany was about almost a year before I decided to let go of the paycheck and say, okay, um, this is for me now. I'm, I'm going to try this. Mm. So a few things had already started to develop that I was able to build upon. And obviously that gave me confidence that if I can do this type of activity, if I am able to win this client, I should definitely be able to win more clients and build more activities because I was pretty certain that what I was able to bring in terms of experience and and competence, would be good enough for people to say, can you do this piece of work for us on a, on a project basis? Mm-hmm. So the the image of what was going to be possible was attractive enough and clear enough. It wasn't all hiding in the fog. There may have been fog here and there, but it wasn't all hiding in the fog.
1: But it sounds like it didn't just sort of, it wasn't an overnight epiphany that you woke up uh-huh. and knew what you were going to do. It sounds like you actually built the energy of excitement over the period of, what did you say, about a year? I don't know, yes. that, that you slowly built that up to the point where the energy of excitement was stronger than the energy of fear. Yes. And at that point, one can let go and become butterfly, but maybe it doesn't happen you know we we all want to see I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to go and do it it doesn't always happen like that because we need to work up towards something but it's interesting to think what is that working up towards Mm -hmm. and perhaps it's somehow connected in this way
0: it's probably easy to understand why that is because in a moment when the caterpillar decides to become a butterfly the caterpillar knows very well what it will have to give up hasn't experienced yet what it means to be a butterfly
1: to take your analogy even metaphor even further of course the caterpillar has to go into a chrysalis before it can come out as a butterfly so i'm just thinking about what you just said about taking that time to sort of build up and work towards being able to finally let go that's what the caterpillar is doing when it's inside that chrysalis. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if the sort of work in progress is connected somehow with the time we might spend and the work we might be doing inside that chrysalis.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's, it's probably a period of time, where it's still very clear, what is it that I'm going to give up? It's not very clear what it is that I'm going to have. And I maintain the vital functions in my current situation in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And I spare some time and energy to try and build and try and design and try and understand what it could look like that I'm hoping to achieve. And once it is attractive enough, I can say, okay, now this is the point in time to say goodbye to the past and launch myself into that into that future
1: that sounds extremely appealing to me i I have never thought about it in these terms that you're describing because it takes away the pressure of i mean we all feel i've got to do this i've got to do that or i've got to make this change and and with that comes this tremendous pressure that we put upon ourselves because we don't have all the information we don't have enough emotional Resilience, or perhaps excitement, to give us the energy to do it mm. immediately. It doesn't happen immediately. But no. by thinking about it like this, you think, well, I can have all the dreams, I can have all the thoughts and the imaginings, and then I can set to work in a slightly more methodical way in terms of preparing myself for it. That sounds appealing to me.
0: And, and then I mean, quite obviously, different people will go about that differently. Some people will say an image that looks like a painting by an impressionist is good enough for me to jump. And others will say, well, I need a business plan three years out, underpinned by robust numbers and everything and industry comparisons and what have you. Mm. And that's that's probably all fine because people are different yes. and people will have different needs. And, and some really. people um, enjoy that very detailed image, almost like uh, a photograph of Andreas Gursky, uh, whereas others say, well, Monet is good enough. You know, that's, you know, that's I, I can see what I need to see. Yeah. colors are attractive, let's go
1: yeah.
0: and find out. Not saying that any one of these is right and the others the other way isn't. It's mm. just very much a personal a personal question of what's my preference? What works for me? Mm. And if you like the three years out business plan, the Monet painting won't do the trick. And if you are looking for a Monet painting and that's what you that's what you need you shouldn't be bothered by Excel sheets. And I think that's the, that's the trick to to find out when working with people who are considering those options, finding out what, what do they need to convince themselves and maybe also convince the others. Going back to that Venn diagram of the, the needs of various people involved, the, the immediate environment, family, friends, community. How do we create that Venn diagram That has enough overlap to say, okay, this is solid. Let's flick the switch and go.